Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and this is Blog Talk Radio. This is KWAD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand wishing you guys a good evening. And we're here in Arizona, and we have a special guest tonight, Emlyn Chand, and I sure hope I got her name, first name right, because I think she's a lovely lady who has started at a very young age knowing that she wanted to be a writer. She loved to hear and tell stories, and she even says she emerged from the womb with a fountain pen grasped firmly in her left hand. She also is the person who runs the, sh- the whole shebang, as she puts it, her novel publicity. She's written a book, obviously, far-sighted. The book that changed her, her life was Harold and the Purple Crayon by Crockett Johnson. Boy, I say that fast. It opened her eyes to the world that could exist if only she was willing to create it, a lesson she has never forgotten. While she enjoys all types of novels, her greatest love is literary fiction and YA, which is young adult. I'd like to welcome Emlyn Chant. Hi, Emlyn. How are you doing? I'm great, Patty. How are you? I sure hope I got your first name right. <laughs> yep, I'm Emlyn Chand. So you got first name oh, right. Oh, Chand. Okay. So here I was worried about your first name and I got your last name. I'm wrong. Almost everybody gets it wrong. It's a pen name and I actually changed it because so many people pronounce my real last name incorrectly and they pronounce my fake last name incorrectly too. So I'm used to it. Uh, I had to get married to, to uh, fix mine. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I was a Zeman, S-Z-E-M-A-N, and nobody get that right. So I, I got married and, and married a Holtstrand, which is a lot easier to spell. That, that is right. Well, my, uh, my last name is easy to spell, but everybody says it wrong. My last name is Honda, um, but it's spelled H-A-N-D-A. And few oh. people know my real name. It's like my secret identity, my Clark Kent to my Emlyn Chand, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> well, there's a little tidbit, everyone, that you can uh, take take to your grave there. I would like you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Um, Well, uh, you did a great job introducing me. I'm an author. I'm 27 years old. Uh, Farsighted is my second novel I've written, but the first I've published. And it's young adult with some paranormal themes, but it's more normal than most paranormal. And I have a business called Novel Publicity. and We're an author marketing firm. And uh, so, yeah, I tweet and blog for a living, and I write, and I'm living my dream, and couldn't be happier. That's awesome. Now, I know that you said uh, something about uh, open heart. Is that a short story, or was that the first thing that you wrote? Um, open heart is the book two in the Farsighted series, so that's one of the books oh, I'm working okay. on right now. That's my, my grand follow-up. I've been um, keeping it as mysterious as possible because I think that's appropriate for the paranormal genre. Um, so mm-hmm. I've revealed very few details about Open Heart. Okay. Well, in that case, we will keep your secret. We won't divulge <laughs> that. All my <laughs> I don't know what it's about. What it is about you, Patty? But I just want to tell all my secrets. Oh, well, I get that often. I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about you and how you got into writing. 
Well, as you said, I was born with a fountain pen uh, grasped firmly in my left hand. And yeah, that's <laughs> I, I claim it's a true story, and nobody knows for sure whether or not it is, but I'm sticking by it. Um, I've just always uh, loved reading. You know, when I was really young, books were my friends, and um, I just had this overactive imagination. I still do. Um, and I just, I like to live inside my head and create stories. Uh, I'm I'm a horrible driver, so if you're ever in the Ann Arbor area, uh, be really careful, because I just drive around and daydream, and that's where I get all my brilliant ideas um, while driving my car and not paying attention to traffic. Um, but, yeah, I wrote, I uh, was kind of actually discovered as a writer. I lead a book group in Ann Arbor, and we have about 450 members now, and we read the classics. Um, not everybody comes wow. every time. That would be crazy, but um, I have the largest book club in the area, so the paper um, came to me and they said, we think you're an expert on books. We want you to write a column about books for our paper. Uh, this was like three or four years ago, and I was completely flattered because the University of Michigan is here, um, which is a fantastic school with a great English yes. program. And uh, they said, we want you to write books. So I started doing that pro bono. And they really liked what I was saying, so they offered me the lead column position, um, and I started reviewing books. And I really have to thank them for pretty much discovering me because um, at that time I was like, oh, yeah, it might be nice to write. Um, but I didn't have the discipline needed yet. But having to meet deadlines uh, will go a long way because if I didn't have my columns on, I would get in trouble. Um, and I just, you know, I had to do it every week, and I improved my skills, and I learned that people are actually interested in reading what I write, and it really helped my confidence as well. And uh, from there, I wrote my first novel, which is not published yet, but it's with my agent right now, so we shall see. Um, And then I wrote Farsighted, and now, you know, I'm going to do this forever. I can't see anything else. Well, you keep busy. You do a lot of different things, but you you touch on a subject that I have discussed before, um, usually because I have a lot of authors who are in their 40s. Um, obviously, you're still a young lady. But, relatively. Um, I, <laughs> relatively. Well, you're not 30 yet. Okay. So the idea is that that we have to mature in order to really understand not only ourselves, but uh, you know who our characters are inside. Do you feel that that's the truth, that could be true? I don't think it's necessarily about maturity. I just think it's about an awareness um, for self and for the human condition. Um, my master's degree is in sociology, so mm-hmm. I've formally studied humans, and uh, that sounds so clinical. Um, but I've learned, and I've traveled to India quite a bit, and I've learned to kind of just shut my trap, uh, which anybody who knows me is probably laughing because I said that. Um, But I've learned to just kind of be quiet and look at the world around me and pay attention. And uh, I'm extremely introspective. I'm constantly analyzing myself, and I kind of have – I'm kind of left-brained and right-brained at the same time, and sometimes it's hard because two sides of myself conflict. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I do write young adult fiction, so if, if maturity is an issue, I do consider myself more mature than a 16-year-old, although my husband might disagree, but he's wrong. Um. <laughs> well, you know, you immediately became interesting to me as soon as you said India, because uh, that area of the world just totally fascinates me. But, uh, yeah. So, um, so tell me about... 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, my husband's from India. He's from New Delhi, oh, wow. and uh, we were married there. I had the full Hindu three-day wedding ceremony, and if you friend me on Facebook, you can see the photos. Wink. Um, and I've kind of been living Indian culture for the last eight years. I've been there a total of nine weeks, and I've learned to speak Hindi, although I speak it with the fluency of a five-year-old. Um, I'm not good at conjugating um, or doing tenses, but I can get my point across. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just love India. It's my muse. I write about it constantly. One of the main characters in my book is uh, an Indian girl named Simi. Wow. That is so cool, you know, because I write about uh, my characters are in India, but they're in 1500s. So uh, I say, when everyone says, well, you know, when they read my stuff, they say, have you been in India? Because it sounds so real. And I said, no, but it's it's something that seems familiar to me for some reason. So it's something that I, I need to write, that area. Um, and I need needed to write in uh, that time period for some reason. So, you know, you find something that, that your muse, as you put it, and you follow that muse to what you need to be writing about. I don't think that it matters if you're nonfiction or fiction. It's the same thing. You still need to do some, some research, and that's something that comes on often with some of the interviews I talk about. It's that fiction authors do just as much research as a nonfiction author. Do you find that to be true? Well, I've done a lot of research um, for Farsighted. I spent about two months uh, doing all kinds of things. I read lots of books about folklore, superstitions, mythology, um, psychic powers and prophecies. I even learned how to cast runes and to do a Celtic cross tarot spread and how to interpret the cards because there's psychics in my book and I wanted to know what I was talking about. Um, and I had the most vivid nightmares <laughs> From all this research, I had to learn not to be afraid of some of the things I was learning, and it took me a while. Uh, the main thing that scared me was I read the collected prophecies of Nostradamus, and there's something about their uh, beautiful uh, way that the poetry flows where it's telling of horrific things, and I would just have so many nightmares about Nostradamus, uh, but now I, I'm, I'm brave now, and I've conquered that fear, which I didn't know I had. <laughs> And I, I do think Farsight is the better for it because I really did try to live in that world before I started writing it. Well, that's really, uh, you know, I love the area or love the idea of your story. Uh, Farsighted, he has what kind of gift? Well, technically he has second sight, but he's blind. And rather than just giving him magical sight to see to see his visions, he senses them with his other senses. So uh, he hears, smells, and feels what's going on um, in the future. And at first he doesn't know he's having visions, um, and it's very confusing, and he has some pretty embarrassing moments at school. And uh, he has to learn how to convince his power to save the girl he has a crush on, Simi, the Indian girl. So you've got, you know, obviously got some romance in here. A little bit. I've I've never thought of Farsighted as a romance novel, but um, because the romance is a side plot, but people really seem to identify with the sappy, sweet crush. Uh, very, it's very innocent, and uh, it's hopefully very teenage. I tried to stay in the head of the teenage boy mentality, uh, which was really funny. <laughs> I find myself laughing at my protagonist because boys. Um, <laughs> 
Do you find it that it's harder to write as, as a you know the character being a boy? Um, at first, uh, usually what I do uh, when I start writing, I just start and I write, and then I get through my first draft, and then I go back and I change the beginning because it takes me about thirty pages to start to really know a character. So I can't, you know, I have to do something to get to know them, but then I have to go back and make it consistent. And uh, in the early drafts, Alex was definitely coming across very effeminate, and since he has a unisex name, some people thought he was a girl, which was bad. Um, but I uh, I masculinized him. He still might be a little bit, um, he's more beta male, definitely, uh, although he wants to be an alpha male, but... It was just fun writing from uh, his perspective because the next novel is from a different character's perspective and it's female, but I'm not revealing who it is yet since I'm all secretive. Um, but I just, I miss Alex. I, I love this other character and it's fun, but boys just can be so clueless, especially Alex, and he just cracks me up how he misses things. <laughs> so do you think that being in India is what sparked your desire to write this particular story, or what was the spark that happened that created this? Well, um, the inspiration for this story was actually um, my husband was driving, and we were going across state for my sister's wedding. And like I said, I daydream in the car. That's where I get all my ideas. And I was wearing these really tacky, oversized sunglasses and just staring out the window. And I caught my reflection in the side-view mirror, and I thought, oh, my gosh, these glasses are huge. I look like a blind person. And then with, within my image, I saw another image because I saw myself reflected in the glasses. And then I started thinking about blind sight. And at the time, I was um, rereading The Odyssey with my book club. And in The Odyssey, there's uh, Tiresias. Yes, even I know. From mythology. And I thought, why hasn't anybody tried to update that myth? You know, because Rick Riordan has had great success with uh, putting a hip spin on Greek mythology. And I just think Tiresias has, has always been fascinating with his roles in Oedipus Rex and the Odyssey and Antigone. And I just wanted to to make him more hip and young and modern day. That's a great idea, too. Um, we do have uh, some of that going on now. As, uh, more authors are taking uh, old ideas and making them fresh and new. I think it's a, a good plan, and if you make it interesting, uh, it would definitely, I think, open the eyes for the younger adults, the young adults, you know, in the younger market, finding these things that may not, it may seem dated to them. Right. I definitely um, have a lot of the Odyssey in there because since the Odyssey was such a big part of my inspiration, and the sunglasses, which are also in the story, his cool guy glasses. <laughs> Um, but he's reading the Odyssey for his 10th grade English class. And uh-huh. I do draw parallels because the villain is compared to Poseidon. Um, and uh, he's kind of, Alex is kind of journeying both as Odysseus and Telemachus. Uh, there's elements of both. And it, it's just, it's not overwhelming. It doesn't follow the Odyssey plot line, but I just draw some smiles and, or smiles. <laughs> What's that about? I draw some similarities and uh, Alex at one point is jealous that Odysseus gets all these hot young princesses throwing themselves at him, and he wishes he had a goddess Athena to to get girls to like him and just silly things like that. Well, that brings up a question that you had on your on your website, and I'm going to ask everybody to know. Have you always been a fan of myths, legends, and lore? Sounds to me like you're very interested in this type of area. If so, 
do you have any favorites? Yes. Um, I've I've always liked stories, and I think um, myths are fascinating because those are the stories that have stood the test of, withstood the test of time. And uh, I've, I've always really liked the tale of Narcissus, the man who was mm-hmm. so in love with the, the demigod who was so in love with his own image that he drowned staring at his reflection. And especially in today's day and age, I mean, I work in social media, and we've all heard about the narcissistic effects of Facebook. Um, and I just, narcissists would be another great person to, to update and uh, bring into modern society because uh, there's quite a few of them running around. <laughs> That is that is an interesting uh, thought to be able to do. So my question then, um, obviously you have, uh, yeah, you have your. So I was talking about Nordic, Nordic rules and Indian folklore. But Indian, you're talking about American Indian or Indian from India. Indian from India. Um, so far, everything I've written has had a main character from India, and I don't know what, what it is. I mean, yes, I'm very inspired, but I'm, I'm working on another book besides Open Heart right now, and it's the first in a new science fiction series for young adults, and I'm doing my best to not have Indians in it, <laughs> just so that I can see that I can do something different, but that will have Native Americans in it, so <laughs> I guess it depends on how you define the word, but... Yeah. Now we were talking a, a little bit. I, I was talking to somebody recently about uh, dark horror, and you were bringing up uh, the YA. You know, some of the articles written this year towards these this group have seen dark. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Do well, I think, think that why. YA has been um, trending a little older, and I think um, because so many adults enjoy reading young adult novels that some of the content is becoming too mature, and that the genre really belongs to its intended age group. I am an adult, and I love young adult fiction, and I don't need sex and swearing um, and things like that to make me enjoy a story. So I did want to kind of take it back to its intended readership and and make it more wholesome. And that's not to say it's it's, um, dried up and boring. There still are few swears. I think once I counted them, and there are five in the book. Um, and there's a little, little bit of kissing. Hopefully, that's not a spoiler. But I just, I don't, I don't want to have that type of uh, message being sent out. I don't want to show that, hey, the protagonist is defined by her boyfriend or his girlfriend, and the only important thing in life is romance. I want to show, you know, there are other important things in life, and there's other elements of being a teenager, of being a person. So I'm definitely trying to stick to the roots of YA. Well, I won't say what what particular book that that you just brought to my mind. So because I'm from Arizona, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, we were talking about the fact that uh, in one of the, my other previous issues is about the uh, the darkness, and, and I don't think it's just YA. I think it's overall a lot of different. A lot of different uh, genres are turning dark, and I think that YA you're talking about it being uh, you know turning more dark. I think in that case it should. Where's the line where we say okay that's really not YA or that's not really not regular horror that's graphic novel? Yeah, um, 
I actually have been thinking about um, how to define YA because I would like to write an article about it. Earlier this week, I wrote an article about how to define literary fiction, which is the other genre I'm very fond of. And, uh, you know, there's value to everything. I, I won't say that a particular book that takes place a little bit in Arizona at the end of the first one in the saga, I won't say that 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 book is not worthy or shouldn't have been written because there's an audience for everything. And I just want to, I wanted to do something different and that I felt was right. And I think there's value in that. And there's value for the writers who do want to be dark and who do want to say, Hey, you're your boyfriend and it's okay to like give up your life so that you can be together forever. It's so romantic, uh, which is comical to me, but a uh, young adult, I mean, it is hard to say. It's kind of on a case-by-case basis, but I am thinking in my brain of how to define the genre because it's not just having teenage characters. That's not the only aspect of what something YA. So stay tuned. There'll be an answer eventually when I figure it out. <laughs> well, hopefully it's not just you. Hopefully it's a whole, um, you know, everyone who writes in that area finally says, you know, okay, uh, that's not what defines a teenager. That's That's just part of it. And that shouldn't be everything. And so I agree with you that it's kind of dangerous to define yourself around somebody you love, no matter what your age. Right. So I definitely think uh, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, tell me, uh, I'm going to let everybody know here, just let you know, because we do have some guests here listening. So I know you guys are listening. You can't deny it. So uh, guest call a number. Don't have to be shy. His 714-242-5145. That's 714-242-5145. We're taking calls. We can uh, take questions or comments. So since I know you guys are there, I know you can't hide. (laughs) I've never done a show with live callers before, and I've done maybe seven this is my first with live callers, and I'm very excited. And I hope somebody calls so I don't feel like a loser. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope so too. Cause I know they're there because I can. I just uh, I can see them, but they're not. They're not. Uh, they're not finishing That's the really call. Creepy. That's very dark. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the dark there, and I do that sometimes. I say, I know you guys are whispering in the dark there, so you might as well talk because you know I can see you. But. <laughs> So uh, obviously this is an interest, uh, and you are you only writing young adult, or is there something else in, that you want to write after that? Uh, well, the first novel I wrote, the one that's with my agent, is actually literary fiction, and that's uh, that's kind of it's not just a love story. The love story is probably what's most prominent. It's more of about a, about self love and discovery, um, but that also features uh, a main character from India. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm working on a science fiction novel for young adults, and uh, like I said, that one does not you, have you keep teasing me with that. You keep teasing yeah. me. So, so tell me, can you tell me a little bit about that one? About the science fiction one? Yes. <laughs> sure. Um, well, actually, no, because I haven't told. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit. I haven't uh, told anybody about it because, like I said, I like to be mysterious. I'm, I'm not sure that anybody really cares, um, but it makes me feel cool. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the title. The title is Fallback, and it's the first in a series um, that has some time travel elements, and uh, 
and it's called the Time Walking Series, and it, it takes place in Arizona. <laughs> and okay. uh, it's about a girl who life begins when she falls into the Grand Canyon. So, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, have you been to Arizona recently, and that's why you were thinking of Arizona when you started writing this? No, I have no idea why I was thinking of Arizona. Um, I, because usually I, I like like I like to write about Indians. I like to write about my hometown, um, Oxford, Michigan. It's a super small podunk suburb, um, and it was really boring to live there growing up. So for some reason, I want to keep going back there in my fiction. Um, so even when it doesn't take place in Oxford, <laughs> it takes place in a town based on Oxford. Um, so I guess I'm just trying to really branch out with this novel and do something really different. Um, and the type of series it will be is not a linear series. Uh, like Harry Potter, seven books tell one big story. This will right. be more episodic than that. The books can be rearranged. You don't have to necessarily read them in order. And um, more like the Suki Stackhouse novels. Okay, yeah. Not content and the way the series is structured. No, I will never write a vampire story, I promise. <laughs> yeah, you can leave that to other people in Arizona. <laughs> So uh, that's great. I, I, the thing is, I love science fiction, obviously, and I would love fantasy, but science fiction, of course, is my first love. So when you say science fiction, of course, you just totally piqued my interest, and I have to ask you, since I'm so submerged with science fiction with everything that I do. So uh, thanks for indulging me a bit, and uh, definitely be looking for that one. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I've recently discovered that I really like science fiction because it's a it's a genre that I didn't understand. Just like I feel like many people don't understand literary fiction. Um, and one of my friends had a long talk with me, uh, bless her heart, and she explained to me science fiction. And um, we started talking, and she's like, "You read all the fantasy books you were reading, quote unquote? Those were science fiction uh, because I'm a huge fan of dystopian novels. That's my favorite." Um, and I aspire to one day write a dystopian novel, uh, but right now I think that the market is really crowded, and I just have to give it a lot of thought to think of something different to do, but I love dystopias, love them. So what got you into science, into tra- time travel, though? Because you know, that's, my, my, that's my real love, is time travel. Um, I've read a lot of things with time travel in them, and the one that stands out the most is the one I read first, uh, The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. Uh-huh. Uh, that's one of the books that I just, you know, certain books you read and you put them away and you're like, okay, whatever. But others, you read them and you put them away and you keep thinking about them. And I keep thinking about The Time Machine, and I've also had nightmares about that. Usually if I have nightmares, it means I like an idea um, because the Morlocks creep the heck out of me. And yeah. uh, I just, I love the science behind uh, what H.G. Wells writes, that you can almost believe that there is this time machine or that there is this invisible man and mm-hmm. uh, just his vision of the future and how drastically different it is, but how it speaks to our time. I just I think it's genius. And uh, I have a vision of the future, too, and it's pretty dark. Um, so, oops. Uh, but in my novels, <laughs> I'm not saying I think it will happen, but um, that's for later in the series. When there will be some future love, not love. I don't know. Why I said love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I recently have been having uh, nightmares about zombies, and I'm not a zombie person. My my son. Well, you have to write it. I know, and I've been writing it. And I'm going like, 
where did this come from? Because, you know, my son, he's 17. He loves he loves zombies. And so it's, it's like, you know, he said, well, I had told him what the idea was because he, he had said, Mom, you need to write a Western that has a, uh, a sheriff <laughs> who's a werewolf. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. And so I kind of sat on it for a while. And so he, he keeps batting it around with me. And then I had this nightmare about these zombies in a Western town. And I was, oh my gosh. So I had this several nights in a row. I was, okay, okay, okay. That's it. I obviously have to get these zombies out of my head. So <laughs> I started writing a paranormal Western with zombies and werewolves and who knows what else. So it's 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 a fun starting a brand new series, don't you think? Yeah, nightmares are always a great omen too. Uh, my favorite nightmares are the ones where my characters are there and they're really angry at me for torturing them. <laughs> That's what tells me that okay, these characters are real people to me because you know when I talk about Alex or Simi or Shapri, they feel like real people to me um, because I spend so much time with them more than I do with my own beloved and family. I'm with yeah. these characters think about them. Uh, so nightmares are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had uh, inspiring moments. I was uh, in Carlsberg Cavern with my family um, some weekend. It was, I think it was New Year's Eve. We we went to Carlsbad. I'm not sure why, but we did. Uh, that's in New Mexico. And so uh, here I am at the bowels of the earth, and I suddenly realized that my uh, main my mentor of the my main character is having an affair with my mother, my mother queen. I go, I I said suddenly go, oh man, they're having an affair. And my my husband and my son just both look, look at me like I'm mad, you know. <laughs> but you you got these characters in your head and you're working it out, and you suddenly realize that what you wrote, where she uh, could smell the scent of her mother on her mentor who's also, uh, you know, her, obviously her, um, well, her mentor is obviously her swordsman and who teaches her how to fight and, and, and to make sure she stays safe. So you suddenly realize that these these characters have a relationship building and you can't really control it. Sure. They do <laughs> feel really real sometimes. Usually... Um... My favorite characters in any books I write are the ones that aren't supposed to be in the books um, no. because it happens every time. One character, will either that's supposed to be a minor character or not exist at all, is not only written but steals the show. And in Farsighted, um, Shapri is one, of, is one such character. She was supposed to have an extremely minor role, and she's almost everybody's favorite character. And she's evolved into something much bigger um, because, you know, so, a character that's bold enough to push themselves into the book. Um, that's a character you know really well and you can present to the reader. And that's the thing about Shapri is she demands respect. So she kind of demanded it from me too. Wow. Yeah, I know. Our characters are strong. They're strong characters. They really take over. Um, I wanted to get, definitely get to your thing about your indie publishing because obviously that's that's uh interest of a lot of the authors that, that I work with. Why did you decide to go indie on Farsighted? Well, because I wanted to practice what I preach. And as the president of novel publicity I always try to empower authors and tell them, Hey, you can do this. It's possible. 
let me show you the way. Um, and, you know, I didn't think it would be fair for me to just say, oh, it's, it's a good path for you, but it's not good enough for me. Because I really mm-hmm. do believe in indie publishing. One of my clients, Terry Juliana Long, has sold 80,000 books in less than a year of one book, her first novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just brilliant, and she inspires everyone she meets, including me, and I'm working with her on it. And uh, I just, you know, when I signed with my agent for my first novel, which is uh, the literary one, Iron Pillar, um, I said, I will not give you Farsighted. That series belongs to me. I'm going to indie publish that. So we actually have a writer on our contract. And it's been great fun because I've been able to control everything. You know, I have the final say on the title, the cover, the synopsis, what my price point is, how I market it, and it's it's been a wonderful learning experience, and, and it really has been empowering. And readers are just fabulous. And there's no barrier between me and the readers, uh, which I love. Right, right. That's definitely true. Um, have you ever considered a publicist? I am a publicist. So. Oh, yeah. See how you, you just take took it right away. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I... Um, I've been my own client, and I'm a very demanding client. So uh, when I launched Fireside at the first month, I had a 200-blogger blog tour that I organized for myself. And, wow. uh, you know, I've done my own website, and I'm I'm pretty pretty out there and uh, a little bit crazy, but it, it pays off. It works for me, and it's good being a YA writer because you can get away with stuff. People forgive you because, oh, she's a YA writer. <laughs> Really? You think so? I think so, because we're expected to be more fun. You know, if oh, I was telling okay. if I branded myself as a literary fiction no- uh, writer, because my uh-huh. first novel is literary fiction, you have certain expectations. Oh, she's really intellectual, perhaps a little stodgy, really introspective and deep. And yeah, I kind <laughs> of am all those things, but when I'm interacting with people, I'd rather be a goofball. And that's why I write her. Hey. There you go. There you go. So if somebody up came up to you and said, I'm I'm trying to figure out if I want to, you know, take my book and indie publish it, what would you advise them? I think really carefully before making the decision and uh I would refer them to all the articles I've written on the blog about it. Um and, you know, if you do decide to go the indie route, be aware that it's a lot of work and do not do not have expectations because that's the number one downfall of authors. Everybody thinks they're going to be the next John Grisham or Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or whoever, and they think that they're going to put the book out there and within a month their sales are going to be enough that they can quit the day job. And these are not realistic expectations. And I think if you go into it with an open mind and a willingness to work hard, it can be a really rewarding experience. And the only other thing I would add is, please, for the love of God, hire a professional editor for your book. Yes. I feel very passionately about that. And professional <laughs> yeah. cover designer, too, but the editing, oi, yes, please, edit, edit, edit. And if you if you don't get a professional uh, to do your cover, then get it critiqued. Yeah. Because uh, what I've done for some people is if, if they didn't, you know, follow my, you know, suggestion – I said, okay. I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna put a little bit of money into what I call chapter booklets, and you're gonna put these out at the convention, and we're gonna sit back and see who takes them, and see if they read your stories. Because if they take your 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 cover, uh, take your little booklet because of the cover, then you know you've got it. 
Right. And, uh, and I've definitely uh, I've definitely bought books because of their covers. Uh, the one I'm reading right now, Wither, uh, by Lauren, is <laughs> something. Um, it's <laughs> a French name. <laughs> Yeah, we're on a first-name basis, but uh, I was just so drawn to that cover, and I would see it on blogs, and I would think, that is the most beautiful cover I've ever seen, and that's saying something, because I work in publishing, and I finally was like, I have to read this book, because this cover is great, and it's one of the best books I've read in the last year, like, I'm just eating it up, and I love it, so, yeah, people judge the book by the cover, even people who would, in theory, know not to do that. But, you know, a professional cover shows that you're invested in your product and you're treating it professionally. And it's, we it's we like, to, we'd like to say that, but we know it's not true. We right. know it's not true. People pick them up by the covers first. It's the first thing they well, see. So naturally they're going to be judging by the cover. Yeah. Judge books by their cover, but maybe not people by their covers as much. I think that's why that expression was created. Right. Not about books. Right. They they kind of got that expression incorrect. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I do love your cover. You can tell from it that, first of all, there's a mystery behind it. And yeah, also, you, you want to know more about those glasses. But you also know because he's taking over the entire, you know, almost the entire cover, that this is a character-driven story. Yes, yes. And that's uh, kind of different for YA um, because a lot of why is plot driven, and I think some people maybe who don't like Farsighted as much, but I'm not saying a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people love Farsighted, but they say, hey, you know, it's not, it's not like Divergent or Tiger's Curse or whatever where it's constantly like, bam, 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 things are happening all the time. It's more... It's it's a story about Alex. It's not a story about a blind psychic. It's a story about Alex Cosmetaurus. And I, it was really important to me that I made him feel real to myself and hopefully the readers. You were saying that uh, plotting seems to be the most difficult for you. Why would that be? <laughs> because, I, um, you know, a, there's a lot of either-or propositions in writing. You might write by the seat of your pants, so to speak, or you're a plotter. You might be more focused on characterization or on plot. And I'm definitely all about the characterization because for me, I want to identify with the character. Whether or not I like them, I want to understand them. And um, that's more important than having stunning and gripping action because I don't care about the action if I don't care about the character. And everybody has personal preferences, but uh, I'm working on plotting. Uh, I, I think I'm it's, it's not to say that Farsley has a horrible plot because I'm worried I'm coming across that way. It does have a plot, but... Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure you're funny there. It's just that you don't... You find that to be the most difficult, and that's, that's what you were writing about. You know, yeah. That you were... um, I, we all have our own strengths and weaknesses and sure. preferences. And I, I do consider characterization one of my strengths, and um, I would consider dialogue writing a strength, but, you know, plotting is something I have to work on more. Um, and, you know, it's just it's just about, like I said, being self-aware because I want to get better and better. I'm really proud of the book I put out, and I want to be even more proud of the next one and keep growing because why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> Have you ever had to kill off one of your characters yet? Yeah, absolutely. Not in Farsighted, <laughs> I think. Um, my first novel, I, I killed a character based on my husband. 
Okay. Yeah, I wonder if he got any subliminal things about that one. <laughs> I don't know, but everybody's like, wasn't it so hard? And I'm like, not really. It was kind of fun. <laughs> because um, the manner in which I killed him didn't feel real to me. I uh, There was an ancillary character who died of cancer, and that was really hard for me because that felt real. Uh, um, but yeah. the main character with something less common, I feel like I'm giving away too, way too much, but not like anybody knows that it's not on the market. Um, and I, I'm killing more characters in the books I'm writing right now, and uh, it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I usually, if I'm going to kill somebody or or have a scene that really w- that character wouldn't do, it's never going to see a light of day. It's just that it had to get out of me because I was angry about something, and I use <laughs> my character to take care of it for me. <laughs> I like so. that. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to see it. That you know, uh, that's okay because I got that that issue out of my head, so you can move on from there. You know. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice form of therapy. <laughs> well, it's cheaper cheaper than a therapist, so that's yeah. what I say. Just to let everybody know, uh, again, I know you guys are coming in and out of the chat here, so. Uh, just letting you know that you can call in. Guest call in number is 714-242-5145. I see you guys coming in and out of chat here. So, And also on switchboard, you're watching and listening, but you're not calling in. So you don't have to be shy. You can call and comment or just you know ask a question. Because you don't have to be the only one that has all these questions in front of me. So 714-242-5145. <laughs> I did get a text message from my sister, and she said she's listening. So that made oh, me feel good. Nobody calls and asks me questions, and I still feel like a loser. But at least my sister loves me. So. Well, you know, I get the numbers. You know, all the numbers afterwards, and it takes a couple of days. And then I get the numbers. And I'm going like, you, you people, why aren't you calling? If you're interested, you know, that they want to listen. They want to. They want to be participants, but they don't want. Yeah, you know, kind of like Facebook. <laughs> well, clearly I'm very intimidating, so I mean I understand. Very oh yeah, no, you you just look so intimidating. You're, you 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 <laughs> you remind me of the girl next door. You know, uh, a library friend of mine. Uh, guys look a little you know similar here, so I thought that thought of her when I saw your picture. Everybody says I look like somebody else. I don't know what that says about me, but everybody (laughs) says I look like somebody else. Maybe just I'm I'm so wonderfully friendly that everybody feels like they already know me. Or maybe I'm just very plain and everybody looks like me. I don't know. Kind of like they say about chicken, huh? Everything tastes like chicken. (laughs) That's That's kind of fun out there. So, uh, you, I obviously got your another story coming, and you were working three on three uh, three more stories. Okay. So, where well, are you I taking the series? Pardon now? Where are you taking the series? Is this a series that you're talking about? I mean, how many books do you think are in it? Oh, um, well, I have my literary novel, The Iron Pillar, which is with my agent, and then I have the sci-fi time travel series, um, which... I have I have three books conceptualized in my head, but um, 
I have no idea how many books will be in that series since it's more episodic and it could technically go forever. Um, Farsighted will be five um, and there's a possibility of an eventual uh, prequel uh, from Alex's dad's point of view because he does have a really elaborate backstory, but it's not really related to what's going on with Alex and Simi and Shapri and Dax. Um, but five books, Open Heart is book two, and I'm working on that now. And uh, book three is going to be awesome, too. That's called Pitch. Um, and, yeah, I'm hoping to have them all out within the next couple of years, hopefully, but... It takes me time to write and revise things because I'm, I'm quite meticulous when it comes to self-editing, and uh, mm-hmm. I am a perfectionist. Not a perfectionist, but I just I take pride in my work and I like to do a good job. Well, that's that's what it's all about. You need to you need to take pride in your in your work. Since uh, I know it took 12 years to, to finally decide to get mine out, so that's what it takes, and that's what it takes. Um, then you brought up back. Go ahead. Since you, since you brought up backstory, uh, how much did you plan on the backstory? Um, I had a so uh, in Farsight, Alex's dad is weird and distant, and he has some secrets, uh, which which you'll learn about in the novel. But if I reveal, that would definitely be giving away too much about the story. Okay, don't have to. <laughs> so I kind of just as I. As I watched, because I almost feel like I watched the, the things. I don't know, I'm weird. As I watched what was going on between Alex and his dad, I started filling in blanks. And uh, by the time I had finished writing Farsight, I knew Alex's dad's entire backstory. And uh, I don't know that any of it will actually be revealed in the series. Some of it may, and it's really interesting to me. But it's like I said, it's, it's character-driven. And Alex's dad is not one of the primary characters. So it wouldn't make sense for me to... Uh, spend like three chapters explaining his nice backstory. So one day he might get his own book. Um, but for now, I have to stick to my plan to have a five-book series, each book narrated by a different primary character. Oh, okay. So each each, I'm sorry, each story is going to be based on a specific character from your first book. Yep, and it, they all they all are go together like in a chain in a specific order, telling one big story. But I like the idea of um, getting into each of the characters' heads in turn. And let's face it, I wrote Farsighted in the first person perspective of a boy who does not have sight, so there's no visual detail. And people want to know what Simi looks like. People want to know what Shapri looks like. Alex doesn't know what they look like. He knows what they sound and smell like, and he knows about their personalities. Um, and it was just really appealing to me to create a world and let let readers get into that world and get to know it and then bring it back in the second book and finally let them see it. I just now that's, that's cool. That is a fascinating way to do that. Very brilliant. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm impressed. That, that, that's a very cool way to do it. So definitely well, give people reason to read the second book. Open Heart, I really am am happy with where it's going, and I do believe it'll be even better than Farsighted. Um, I'm addressing some issues that are very important to me. Um, I, I really, I don't know if I can say more without giving away who the narrator okay. is. I'll um, let you off the hook. Yeah, but um, I, it's it's been an experience writing Open Heart because I have to teach myself to see again. Uh, because I wrote an entire book without seeing, I just had to think about all the other senses, and now this character can see, and I have to keep that mantra in my head 
you know, this character can see, this character can see, this character can see, because my tendency now is not to write visual details. So I'm going to have to edit it quite a bit to add in description um, and reteach myself to see. <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it. you, you got to reteach yourself how to read, uh, how to see. So that's interesting how you put that. And, again, I think that's a brilliant way to, to really pull your readers into the other books. So that's impressive. Well, I, and I can tell you that one of the books in the series, it's not the second one, um, later, will cut out another sense where a whole book will be told without a certain sense. And it's not sight again, because it's not Alex again. But um, I'm really excited about that one and and not having that sensual uh, layer. So I know I'm not I'm like telling you things, but I'm not telling you things. I'm not cryptic. Um, But I I just, I get excited and I want to tell everybody the plot line of my entire series. So I have to at least hold off. It's being recorded. Yeah, it is being recorded. So, uh, and what's cool about uh, Blog Talk Radio is that afterwards I send you the 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 link, the code, so you can put it wherever you want to, as well. And uh, I share it everywhere, so that way anybody can read it. Uh, it'll be going into your blog uh, information that I put up today too, so they can get the the benefit of this of your interview on the radio as well as your article that you wrote for my blog. Sure. And when I when I read your synopsis, uh, was why why I let them know that I wanted to interview you, because I knew that uh, a lot of my uh, readers and, and authors that I work with would love to read your story. Well, thank so. you. Hi, everybody. You won't call in, <laughs> but thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I know they're listening. It's. Uh, they just are being quiet tonight. You're saying something about <laughs> the way you wrote it is kind of funny. Is your question is a freak accident gave you super writing powers? Describe the accident. Yeah, that came from that question came from Jessica McHugh, who's also an author. She wrote Rabbits in the Garden, and she does uh, speculative YA. And she just gave me the best interview I've ever done, uh, written, of course, because that's firing this interview. But um, she she asked me that question about um, getting freak, writing superpowers, and you're asking me to remember what I said like three months ago here, Patty. But uh, <laughs> I know it involves staying up way too late and drinking way too much caffeine, as I am so prone to do, up to 20 cups of coffee a day, believe it or not. That's why I'm so goofy. Um and uh, in in the novel Farsighted, Alex ends up taking kind of abusing monster energy drink as a way to harness his psychic powers. Um, mm-hmm. And in, in this example where I get powers, I drink too much monster energy drink. And then, of course, I develop powers too. And I'm still trying. I do not have psychic powers yet. But uh, maybe one day. You said... The monster coupled with the two liter of Diet Mountain Dew and the pot of coffee from earlier in the day <laughs> form some kind of toxic drug mix. <laughs> it wouldn't it would have been enough to kill a normal person. So that means you must not be normal. <laughs> I'm not normal. I'm a writer. I'm um, subnormal or 
super normal or I don't know what I am, but I'm a writer, not normal. (laughs) I love that because one question I always ask, and since we're getting close to the end, I'm not going to ask it yet. So I do have my special question that I ask at the end of, of everyone's interview. So I will save that one from you. Okay. And see if there's any other things. I'm gonna. I'm pulling up Facebook to see if anybody's talking. Anybody got obviously, anything? Uh, obviously, we we want to find out where your website is. I wrote it. I wrote it in the blog and and information. But go ahead and let us know website and fan site or blog. How do we get a hold of you? Emlynchon.com. My name E M L Y N C H A N D dot com. And if you Google me, you'll find me all over the place. I'm on Google Plus a lot. Um I love Google Plus and I'm on Goodreads a super lot and Facebook, like I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I'm on there more than anywhere. And Twitter <laughs> everywhere. Anywhere that there's a social media site, you're probably gonna find me on there and you just have to Google me to find it. I did see your very long list of, of places you're at. So if you get on her website, you will find it on her media page. Her press kit has all the locations you can possibly find her. And it's very yeah. long list. I'm everywhere. It's not even a comprehensive list, but I felt like it was overkill after a certain point. <laughs> well, I, I my author's list. Uh, yesterday, and and I said, okay, I understand you're not going to be in every place, you know, all these places, and a few of them, I didn't even know what they were. So I said, but you need to have, you know, as many as you can, and then start connecting them. And so that's what I'm helping him do, is is to to cross-pollinate in order for that way, when he does one thing, it's, it's, it's easier to handle um, if you write an article, where can it go? You know, that kind of thing. I usually suggest that um, my authors have a presence on the major social media networks, but pick one as a favorite and spend a lot of time and dedicate your time there. So for me, very shamedly, I admit that I spend the most time on Facebook because I talk about how much I hate Facebook with a, a great frequency, but I'm there a lot because that's where my friends are. Um, but mm-hmm. I also love Google Plus more than anyone I know. I just, I really like it. I have like six or 7,000 people in my circle, and uh, people are so supportive and smart in Google Plus. Not that people <laughs> suck on Facebook or anything, but um, I, I know like you. Plus. <laughs> uh, I, I find, I just started Google Plus, and I've been building my circle, and I, I, I find that actually I get, more cross-pollinating from people who are coming from Google Plus than from Facebook. And I, I think that because Facebook has it's so easy to say you click, you like, but you have nothing else to say about it, it's irritating. <laughs> it is. So I, I want people to say something about it, not just like it. I have so, I have a really good friend base on Facebook. I get a lot of comments. I think um, a few weeks back I had a status update, um, one day parrots will rule us all, and then there were like 60 comments. (laughs) My best friend is like, I don't know what is wrong with people you hang out with and what is wrong with you, but I can't (laughs) believe that how many people had things to say about that. 
And, like, it was a very profound statement because everybody knows I'm a crazy bird lady. I have five birds, and one of them, Ducky, is the mascot for my business. And yeah, that's mentioned that. in my bio, too. On the back of my book, I mentioned my bird because it's important. Um, and people <laughs> equate him with me, which is awesome because he is one good-looking bird. And I'm happy for him to be my avatar and to be the face of the business, but... There you go. And the thing is that, that that makes it distinct. When you go to your your uh, novel publicity site, your bird just stands out. And, of course, that makes it different from anybody else. And people remember quirky things like that. you want to know something really exciting regarding my bird? I know you do. I don't even need to wait of for course. you to know. Um, So I reconnected with somebody I went to high school with, Mallory, and uh, she has a graphic design company, and she creates all these beautiful skins uh, for Kindles, iPads, whatever. And we actually reconnected because she read Farsighted, my book, and she wrote me to say how much she liked it, and we started talking again. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so she designed a custom Kindle skin based on Ducky, so it's a ducky Kindle skin, and I just got it in the mail today, and I put my Kindle, and I'm really happy. Um, and my husband rolled his eyes and walked away when I showed him. But <laughs> I'm really happy. <laughs> and Ducky's happy, too. There you go. <laughs> so She's everyone has... <laughs> yeah. She's going to offer they... a discount uh, and a coupon for anybody who wants ducky Kindle skin. Any fans of novel publicity. <laughs> and I know everybody wants one, so... There you go. Everyone got to get their ducky Kindle skins. I mean, that's just, that sounds like a very weird character name, you know? <laughs> his name is Ducky because he quacks. Um, and everybody's like, why is he named Ducky? But he makes a quacking noise. And I think it's God's idea of, of a joke because he's such a regal, beautiful, colorful bird. And he goes, quack, quack, quack. And I just, he's talking about my bird too much. That's something I never do talk about. Well, I love that. I love that. So funny. That's great. <laughs> so, on that note, I'm going to give you your question. Okay. <laughs> this is a question that I share with everyone at the end of their interviews. And a special question. Now that you have successfully slain the dragon... How will you celebrate? Uh, <laughs> new question, please. No, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like by slaying the dragon, I am celebrating. Um, and I don't like to think of it so violently because putting this novel out and getting it in the hands of readers and having people who actually want to talk to me about it and listen to me talk about it. Hello, listeners. Um, that That is celebrating. That's my dream. And I don't know what I could do that would be better. Sure, I can go to Dairy Queen. I'm doing that anyways. Um, writing is, <laughs> is not good for your figure, FYI. Um, and I could, you know, take another trip to India or something, but I'm just so content where I am. I really, really am. It's, yes, it's wow. stressful, but, you know, this is the celebration. Hello. <laughs> there you go. The reason I ask that question is because it, it shows the personality and the mindset of the person. No matter what, they always come out with something that, you know, comes from, the, you know, I, I get them, I broadside them, so they come up with these things, and you're you're content, happy where you are. So that's, that's something that your readers need to know. 
I'm 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 very happy to live my dream, and I'm you know it, it just because I've I've put one book out there doesn't mean I'm going to stop because I think part of being a dreamer is always striving and reaching for the stars, and when you catch one, reach higher and catch another. Um, and I really I really do believe in following dreams and having passion. Um, that's what people who know me. Uh, hear me say all the time, and I drive them nuts because I'll go up to my husband, I'll be like, you don't have a passion. You need a passion. I'll go up to my best friend. What's your passion? No, really. You need a passion because that's what drives my life, and that's what makes life worth living, and I just can't imagine just living to go to a job that is okay and to watch some television and go to bed. Like, life is, is all about your dreams, and I'm sounding so corny. I'm like an infomercial that has the star across the screen. <laughs> I think that every author understands that because, you know, we all get to some point where we think, man, are we just slamming our heads against a wall here or, you know, or should I go start, you know, uh, counting widgets? And and usually it's other authors who, who grab you before you go over the edge and say, no, 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 there's too many widget counters. We need you. We need you. Uh, we want we want you to we want your stories. We want you to be part of this. So uh, I think the authors help each other. And oh, yeah. even if it's you know you pull a book out a uh, library and you read it and suddenly you're inspired because of how they wrote and how that story touched you. And I think that's the difference between a fiction story and a nonfiction is the passion. No. <laughs> Anything else you want to share with us? I know you shared so much tonight, and you kept quiet about certain things, and I'll let you go with that. But is there anything else you want your want your listeners to know about you? Oh, I'm trying to think of something really profound and witty, so they have a good last impression of me, and I am just coming up tremendously uh, blank. But I'll just, you know, you I. Should. Care so much, you're just like an empty vessel now. <laughs> well, I just I like to I like to have fun and I like to connect with people and absolutely, you know, send me a Facebook message or a tweet or whatever. If you've read my book and you hate it, send me an email and tell me why. If you read my book and you love it, especially then you should send me an email. But I just you know, it's it's a learning experience and the I mean a big part of what makes us so great is the people. And I can't stress that right. enough. So don't be strangers, y'all. Like, come and spend time with me. <laughs> come talk to me. <laughs> I'm going to include your Facebook page here, so that way they can do exactly what you just invited them to do. <laughs> yeah. And read oh, Farsighted sure. too. Read well, Farsighted yeah. too. That's, that, that's the whole point, right? <laughs> well, you know, now that I know more about it, I really want to read it. So I won't let, you know, I'm not going to be able to give this up to one of my reviewers. I'm going to have to actually actually do this myself. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you totally, and that's saying a lot because I, I try not to read uh, too many other things because I have so many other writers I'm reading. But, uh, you know, for the for the love of it, I definitely am going to read your book. Uh, so. so sweet. <laughs> So I, I, and I'm excited because I, and so now that I read that book, I know what's going to come for the next book is going to be totally intriguing to me as an author. 
So I'd be inter- interested how you do that. So that's another good reason why I want to read your first book, because I want to read your second one. Oh, thank you. I, it's always good to, I don't know, be appreciated, inspired, lo- loved. Thank you. You're welcome. So with that, I'm going to say we're running a little bit over our time, but we're okay. And uh, I wish you a good night. Now you don't have to drink so much coffee. You can actually get some rest, actually watch TV, and not worry about anything else tonight. Time for some Big Bang Theory. Yes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So enjoy the conversation, and I will talk to you some other time, okay? Thank you so much, Patty. You're welcome. Good night. Bye. That was Emmeline Chand. And this is Patty Holstrand from KWAD Radio. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to talk a little bit briefly about some other shows coming up. So give me a minute so I can clear my head. This is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and just wanted to talk about some of the different things coming up on the the uh, azpublishingservices.blogspot.com, which is my uh, my blog. We have a lot of things coming up, a lot of uh, interviews, a lot of special guests coming on uh, for this next week, so you guys really need to know about it. Um, on Monday the 30th, we've got Jimmy Gordon. And he's going to uh, be talking about his book as he's going to be on the blog, but it won't be on the blog talk. So on Tuesday, we have a really special guest, somebody local from Arizona, Mark Greenewalt. He is a body painter. In other words, he is an artist that specializes in body paint. This is a really big new fad for 
uh, television shows and for movies, and he's he's been doing all of that. But he also does really uh, great body painting for um, for a lot of magazines. So you guys really need to come on the 31st Tuesday. <clears throat> That's next Tuesday, six to seven. We'll be starting a half an hour later, so that way Mark can get off of work. So you definitely need to come in and, and look at that. Take a look at the uh, the blog talk in uh, the website because he's got some really great pictures of some of his you know uh, some of the work that he's done in the past and a couple of recent pieces. Uh, I say pieces here; they are people, but. Uh, it's the artwork that he puts on them and makes them into characters um, is really unique, and I think that you know really love to share uh, what he does with everyone. So that's on Tuesday, the 31st, from six to seven. He's also going to be one of the uh, one of the guests, uh, as I said, on at Leprechaun 38. Now will be in April. He is what we call a featured local artist. So he will be a featured local artist at Leprechaun 38 in April. So you need to definitely learn more about him. Then we also have on... Look at my counter. We also have on Wednesday, next Wednesday, we have another book from Caesar... And he's going to be talking about the Book of Prophecies. So that would be on, and that's going to be on the blog. So that'll be an all-day thing. Uh, it'll be in there, and you guys can definitely take a look and and read at your leisure. Then we have another uh, guest blog spot on the blog, Vichet uh, Shoot, and he is an author, also another local author here in Arizona. And his book is Eden. And he has a spiritual, it's a spiritual book. So it's definitely an interesting, uh, different idea on that. He will also be featured at the Lo-Fi Coffee Talk in either April or May. We're not sure which yet. But uh, definitely somebody to listen to because his, his ideas are informative. And he talks about regaining our spiritual freedom. That's chat shoot. That's next Thursday, the second. It's already coming up in February. It's just amazing how fast this goes. And here we're just New Year's. So, as you know, if you've been reading my uh, blogs, that the main focus has been making our dreams come true in 2012. So we. Are definitely, and of course, everyone is writing a little bit about that and, and for the blog, for all the blog spots. So we have a busy week next week with three different blogs and a blog talk interview with Mark Greenwald. We will also put that on to, uh, onto our blog probably this weekend, so that way you guys will learn more about him before the interview on the 31st of January. That's Mark Greenwald, our featured author, local author. So we're into February. We've got another blog spot on Monday the 6th, Andrea Delgado. And she's got an interesting book that I think that you guys will really get into. 
So you need to definitely take a read on that one. And then we got another radio show, again, with Chet Shoup. So when you read his guest blog on the 2nd, you have the opportunity to actually visit with him on live radio with me on this 7th, Tuesday the 7th, 5.30 to 6.30. So we've got a lot of great things coming up in the next few weeks, so you guys need to hang on because there's a lot of reading, a lot of great listening, so enjoy it. So with that, I'm going to say good night, and you guys have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>